Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon or good evening whenever you're listening to this podcast. It is the 7th of September 2021. I'm Nadine Blaney. This is the COB. I'm here with Annette Beecher. It is RBA day, Annette. It has been and gone. The poor old doves left empty-handed again. The pressure on the RBA board to not taper, just given the extended lockdowns. Uh, they they saw through it. They basically said this is a temporary uh, interruption to the recovery. But of course, you know, if circumstances mm. change, they will change as well. Quite an aggressive opening paragraph. GDP stronger than expected, housing strong, business investment up. So, you know, it's not all gloom and doom. I, I do think the RBA has has half an eye on confidence. Yep. And they just made it sound like, look, we're confident of a recovery and we're not going to make any decision on tapering until February next year. So maybe we can stop pouring over these guys every month. I don't know. Let's see. No, we won't. Annette. No, we won't. <laughs> ANZ said it was a confusing message. Uh, Shane Oliver over at AMP said that it's is looking very optimistic. I mean, what, what fundamentally is your view? It's the other thing, I do think the RBA is trying to st- be as optimistic as possible. I mean, tapering from five to four is still a big amount of monetary stimulus. I think quite a few analysts read a little bit too much into it. They said, oh, they've extended the program from November to February, whereas in fact, they've just extended considering the program from November mm-hmm. to February. It was never going to stop in November. No. It was just going to get reassessed. So in other words, they've just pushed out the reassessment um, from five to four. So I think that's semantics. What really matters is, look, wages are below two. Inflation is below two. Interest rates are not going anywhere. I think they're the three takeaways that we really should be worried about. So the Aussie dollar had a bit of a wild ride and uh, yeah. It looks quite the pop, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah, it didn't last. No, it didn't last at all on that. uh, What many are saying, taper with a dovish twist. Doesn't that headline just write itself? (laughs) What I can tell you is that the S&P ASX 200 finished flat. I mean, pretty much dead flat, up two points. It took a while to get there, though. It did. It was up. It was down. It was yeah, up. Yeah, it was one of those days, wasn't it? But you can say safely that if it weren't for materials, it would have been a much stronger day. Yeah, the banks didn't shoot the lights out. There's that old uh, chestnut, but um, it was really the material space. So some companies were trading without the dividend. Mineral resources, for one, was ex-div. It was off by close to four percent. But, I mean, Fortescue, second day of selling down by 3%. Remelius, Blue Scope Steel. Blue Scope was um, trading ex-div, but, you know, we continue to see this pressure coming mm. through 
on iron or yeah, I don't know about you, but I get a distinct feeling that this is this is the trend. Yeah, we're we're still going on the iron ore story. I mean, just speaking to Marcus Droger, he reminded us not not that long ago BHP was fifty four, and here we are at forty two. Uh, iron ore was at two thirty. Now it's at sort of one forty, give or take. The long run average for iron ore is actually seventy dollars. Mm-hmm. We've just had a fantastic run, and we're on the other side. Although, depending on, I mean, I have no beef with BHP in particular, but they are trying to reinvent themselves from just being an iron ore company. Let's face it, you know, shedding off iron and, uh, sorry, oil and gas, yeah. switching to lithium. Nickel, I just think, yeah, so ash. it's just, they're just trying, I think, to be a little bit more um, relevant to the current cycle because at the end of the day, they're old school and tied to China and I think they need to break away from that. Yeah, but it was interesting. I just finished the day with a conversation with Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor and he said... The commodities for today, for now, coal, alumina, and aluminium. I mean, and we're seeing that reflected in the political situation in Guinea, but also, you know, he just said alumina, for example, is still, even though we've seen buying, you know, still a good buy for him. To your point about some of the big players that have Mm. been hit hard, I also had a conversation with Heath Moss from HLM Investments earlier in the session, and he thinks that, you know, through that sort of Christmas period, continue to see prices come off in some of these big miners and the iron ore price, et cetera. He thinks there's going to be some really good buying opportunities. So keep perhaps some powder in the keg for that. I also spoke with Heath about, and this is the caveat, a couple of very high risk, high risk, short term uranium stocks. So you can access that interview via the show notes. Look, it's an interesting investment thesis that he lays out for uranium. And, of course, the, uh, the another bigger picture out there from uh, David Lane at Ord Minette is saying when you have a cycle running this high, this hot for this long, mm. have a, another look at maybe being defensive, take some of the maybe profits off the table, put it in cash. Everyone, every second person says there's a correction coming and think having a few dollars in the kitty to buy on dip probably wouldn't go astray either. Cash is not trash when you're in the buying mood. <laughs> That's right. It? And uh, Junbei Lu gave us a whole basket of stocks that are still available on sale. So companies, I'm obviously dumbing it down, but to pick up on low multiples, you can access that via the show notes as well. And that's a couple of the conversations that I've been having lately as well, is that in this post-reporting season period, there are still those companies out there, particularly that are leveraged to the reopening trade, that their share price is still lower than it was pre-pandemic, even though they have clearly marked a pathway back mm. to pre-pandemic earnings. And I'll give some of it away. One of them that I had a chat about today was Qantas, and that was with Adam Alexander from Evans and Partners. That's online as well. So RBA, clearly the big one today. It's now under our belts. It's amazing how quickly these things come and go. It does. And we get on to the next, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of the next, just quickly, it's a bit of a data vacuum because the first week of September, of course, was saturation, including that uh, GDP report. We've got one employment report coming up, and then it's pretty quiet so it's quiet for reporting season it's quiet for data we're just going to have to look offshore for direction i think in the nearer term and one place we'll be looking is a european central bank ecb so ahead of that and ahead of this reopening in the u.s tonight in terms of stock markets we're watching the u.s dollar finding a bit of footing traders really looking toward that ecb meeting 
on the night um, and expecting to see again tapering as the focus for the ECB. They don't want to call it that. No, but well, semantics going on there. Yeah, so semantics are good. Maybe there's, they also, of course, speak about six languages over there. They can deliver uh, all mm-hmm. sorts of messages. But I think the, the bottom line is they may not need their entire program, which is how they're going mm-hmm. to massage that message. Um, one thing we haven't talked about, but I think it's worth just mentioning, is that we did see Chinese exports... Um, well, growth in that area. Speaking of shooting the lights out. Yeah, unexpectedly picking mm. up speed. So that's a big boost for the economy. Really did beat forecasts. So again, I guess bringing a little bit of relief to some of the concerns about slowing growth in China and global growth as well. Yeah, really. exactly. I mean, China exports to the world as as we know. So yeah, export growth was exceptional, but so was import growth. Uh, some of that, of course, being commodity prices. So quite a few analysts tipping that this may be the peak as some commodity prices have rolled over. But by and large, I think 33% import growth. This is not base effects. This is mm-hmm. how strong they're importing for the month of August. So that is just a great number for all sorts of commodity currencies, not just ours, because China's still hungry for raw materials. Insatiable appetite, it mm-hmm. feels like. Now, it's interesting to talk about the region. I mean, we have the ASX, I mean, not us personally, Annette, but <laughs> underperformed many regional markets. And that was a theme that emerged yeah, today as Nikkei well. Yeah, did well, apparently. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah up okay. by about a percentage point. So that's carrying on from, I think, two really solid sessions. The Nikkei actually closed, uh, didn't close, touched Climbed above, this is the phrase I'm looking for, above that magic 30,000 level today. So we'll be watching Asian markets. Of course, we're looking forward to U.S. markets uh, coming back online. E-minis at this stage of the game, granted, um, you know, we're after market close here in Sydney, are up slightly, up by about a tenth of a percent. A market still will be digesting uh, well, you've still got to say a lot of the conversation is going back to that U.S. jobs report. Yeah, it's if it was a report for everyone. I I just got the distinct impression from many analyst reports that services disappointed because of Delta, which just makes it sound like if it wasn't for Delta, you would have got that strong number. Everything else is amazing. Unemployment rates still mm-hmm. falling, underemployment falling, which of course most central bankers prefer that measure. And wages rose by 0.6 instead of 0.3. I mean, gee, the RBA kill for a, a wages outcome that's twice market expectations. So that's a bit of a dilemma for the Fed because we all know that wages is the key to sticky inflation. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that would be what the RBA would love that's to see a bit of here. They would love it. Now, I've kept you waiting long enough, I know, for the stock of the day. I know you forgot, Annette. I did not. Um, not. Rio Tinto. (laughs) I could have done a better segue here. But look, (laughs) if you're still with us, Rio Tinto was the stock of the day. It pretty much factored into most of the conversations we just had. So let's hear what uh, what Gaurav Sodhi from The Intelligent Investor and Gary Glover from Novus Capital had to say about The fact that that Guinea is now potentially offline is is wonderful news for for Rio Tinto. It's a, it's a very big deal in the industry, um, uh, unequivocally a positive for existing producers, um, and uh, and it will feed right through through bauxite and um, alumina prices as well. And and you've seen the share market react. It just goes to show that you know the size of your operation is one thing, but the security and the safety of it is quite another. Good for the big guys. Not so good for Guinea. I wouldn't be be buying Rio Tinto. 
and Guinea ships out 25% of the global bauxite market. So this year, pretty pretty significant. Um, positive for the aluminium price, um, which is great for Rio in that regard. Just obviously negative in terms of the, the project there. Definitely been a bit of selling in Rio just because of the iron ore, uh, the fall away in the iron ore price. So, yeah. yeah, it's a big level here around that 105. I think a weekly close below 105 is probably quite negative. So that's just a big level for the stock. And that is the assessment of Rio Tinto, which did close the day down by 1.5%. But just to reiterate, we did see more of that pressure coming through on the big miners. Uh, Annette, if we take a look at the big winners, it was Chalice Mining that led the 200. Uh, Flight Center, Treasury Wine Estate, uh, Megaport looked pretty good by the end of it all. And uh, on the flip side, though, we did have uh, Appen and we had GWA down and Umedia as well. But uh, Umedia was trading ex-dividend as was GWA. So there you go. Ex-dividend this time of year does catch a few of us Mm -hmm. off guard when we're doing the best and worst. You have to remind ourselves, no, that's ex-dividend. Although, as we just finished saying, Fortescue's crumbling anyway Mm -hmm. without ex-dividend. So there's some underlying issues on that one. Let us see what this night brings and I'll see you tomorrow morning. We'll do it again. See you Wednesday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.